Milton Campus. What a fascinating, I want to say young man, but he's only a few years younger than I am. But jujitsu, you know, I, I just started learning jujitsu and I've got lots of questions. It makes me so uncomfortable uh, that it's attractive. The discipline involved, the humility that's involved. Um, well, Milton is uh, now nine years in. He's brown belt, I believe. Uh, and he has a great podcast, uh, Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast, and uh, he's been doing it for a couple years. He just talks all about Jiu-Jitsu and what it means to him and how it changed his life. He was working hard at it. He's a Long Island guy. I'm very familiar. Uh, all my cousins are from Long Island, and uh, he was working hard in Jiu-Jitsu and uh, got, had a heart attack. You know, it just kind of affected him and had to get two surgeries, one right away, one the next day. And uh, before that, he had moved down to Florida where he practices all the time. He, he has a marketing company as well. Uh, fascinating man. Uh, and we talk a lot about jujitsu and what it means to him. And is it right for everybody? And how do you find a great instructor? How do you find a great academy? Uh, these are all questions uh, that I have that I hope you do as well. But jujitsu is, uh, I think it's, I think it's for everyone. I think it could really benefit everyone. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Yeah, Milton Campus, thanks so much for your time. How has jujitsu changed your life? Oh boy. Um, in so many ways. I mean, uh, I've been training, uh, this June will be nine years. Um, it's such a huge part of my life. Uh, you know, it's my workout, it's my stress relief and release, however you like to say it. Um, I always tell my wife, uh, if you want to argue with me or you've got, we've got a problem, talk to me right after jujitsu. I come back feeling like, just like, uh, you know, everything from the day, all the stress of the day is gone. And I'm truly in a place where I'm, mm -hmm. I can just really concentrate on what she wants to talk about. Uh, so uh, I've also, you know, I actually had a heart attack um, six years ago. Uh, it wasn't because of the jujitsu, probably just the way that I took care of my body when I was younger. 
um, actually had a heart attack right after training, two heart attacks after training on Friday and Saturday mornings. And, um, you know, it, it just put me in a different mindset. I, I started to take training a little bit more seriously and really started to kind of like to really dedicate myself to, to getting really back. I thought I was in shape. I obviously was not in shape. Uh, and I've, I've done everything that I can to, uh, to really train as often as possible. Yeah, one so. of your quotes that you had that I liked that you said that jujitsu uh, has a way of weeding out the assholes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know I put that somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can't go into you can't go into uh, an academy or uh, a junior. We call it an academy. Some people might call it a dojo. Uh, you can't go into a jujitsu academy right. and be an a-hole. You can't go into a place and uh, just think you're going to go in there and beat people up. You get exposed pretty quickly. Um you know, we train, you know, we train side by side with women. So uh, an asshole that comes in thinking he's going to be rolling around uh, on top of girls. But mm -hmm. when that girl is choking him out, he's not even thinking about, you know, kind of the dirty thoughts. So it weeds people out like that. People that are there for the wrong reasons, um, they are quickly exposed and uh, they don't they don't last very long in, in Eddie Academy. You know, so I've, I've begun my jujitsu journey. So I'm about you know, 10 classes in, right. I'm 54 years old. I'm older than you. And what attracts me, what attracts me to it is how uncomfortable it makes me. Uh, I've never done anything like this mm -hmm. before. I've played soccer all my life. I play golf. Now I play tennis. I do these kinds of things, uh, you know, CrossFit and triathlons, but I've never kind of rolled around with people before, you know, and, um, everybody, who I know does it, you could just see a change in them. You could just see the change. And I'm not yeah. there yet. I can't say I have a love for it, but I I, I love the idea of how disciplined it is. Now, what you just said, Sarge, our, you know, the, uh, our master there, he, he just, any ego is just, you leave it off that mat. It's just, there's no room for it. Because like you said, there's women yeah. and there's like, you know, there's, you know, I'm uh, 220 pounds. I'm uh, almost six feet. And, you know, there's a 140 pound, you know, young man that just can, you know, put me in a, you know, chokehold in seconds, you know, so it's very humbling. Beauty, yeah. the beauty of jujitsu. Very humbling. Yeah. So let me, let me address one of the things you said there in the beginning. Um, it's like, you know, yeah. you talked about feeling uncomfortable. You will start to find comfort in that uncomfortable or in those uncomfortable moments. Um, I'll, I'll like last night, um, I'm, I'm down from 247 to 232 as of this morning. Uh, I've been up and down in my life. I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to focus on, on losing a little bit of weight specifically, really. I mean, you know, not only for health reasons, but uh, to, to really be better at jujitsu, the lighter I am, the faster I can move. But finding comfort, comfort in those uncomfortable positions is what everybody has to do. Last night we did some drilling where we actually, uh, you know, our partner laid down on the floor. We went chest to chest, knees off the floor. You're up on your toes, hands behind our back, and he's got to get out from underneath me. And I'm, wow. we're only touching chest to chest. He can use his arms, but we're just touching chest to chest. Now for the lighter guys, they're able to move. It's part of the drill. You're moving them off, do something, you know, shrimping and, and trying to regain the guard. Well, I was working with a partner that was 160 pounds. I, it was very difficult for him to get me off of him. But at, a, at brown belt level, even if it was somebody my size, I'm very comfortable in, in you know, in staying on top and, and learning how to stay on top. 
for him, he had to find comfort in un- those uncomfortable positions. Luckily for him, I'm the type of partner who will kind of coach him through a little bit or tell him, hey, look, do this. Or I put one knee down a, a few times just to take some of the weight off of him so that he could get the practice in. You know, so um, who you train with is super important. Uh, feeling like you can roll with certain people or not. I would guess at 220, you said you're 220. You're probably one of the bigger guys in the room most of the time, if not all of the time. Varies. I'm the right? oldest, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the oldest. Uh, there's a 53-year-old. I'm 49, be 50 in June. Um, we, You know, you're going to – funny enough, you know, when I – I usually don't ask anybody to partner with me. I sit and I let people come to me. Um they a lot of times the, the little guys they're obviously going to try to find somebody their size and that makes sense. But sometimes the big, even my size or bigger, the bigger white belts and lower belts they know I, I just I'm experienced. I'm a big guy and I'm experienced. They don't want to necessarily roll with me or even practice with me. Why? I'm not smelly. I shower before the <laughs> before the gym. My gi's always clean. It's because of my size and my experience. We, uh, our coach had a conversation with us last night, though, and, and I just sat there and I was like, I'm glad he's saying this. You know, you're not there to win practice, right? When we start rolling and people start going a little crazy, especially we have a lot of white belts in our classes now. You know, they start going really crazy and, you know, that's when somebody gets hurt. But the coach addressed, he says, hey, guys, you're here to learn jujitsu. And he started to, to talk about a meme that he saw. And he looked at me because he knew I think I, I had posted the meme that said, stop trying to win practice. That's not what you're there for. And if you're rolling with somebody that's going a little crazy, it's okay for you to tell them, hey, maybe we should slow it down a little bit. Doesn't always work. You know, again, sometimes you have an ego in there, especially a white belt. But, um, you know, being comfortable and having those conversations and uh, and letting people know, hey, listen, this is the way I want to train is an okay thing. If you're not in a gym that it's okay to say that, yeah. might be the wrong gym. Or, you know, old school gyms are like that. You know, it's just like, get on the mat. I don't care. Get it, grab a girl, grab a guy, grab a kid. doesn't matter. Let's train. Um, after nine years, I'm very comfortable with telling somebody, listen, I don't, I'm not interested in rolling with you right now. I might not say it like that, but somebody might, uh, that might be competing that weekend and is looking for some really heavy competition roles. I'll be like, yeah, you probably want to train with the guys over there. I'm, you know, hmm. I have to go to work in the morning. I have a family to take care of. I have a business to run. So, you know, it's different for everybody, but uh, yeah, yeah, stick it out. You said you haven't found the love for it yet. I, I think that that comes. A lot of us, we fall in love immediately. Uh, some people, it takes a little bit longer. Once they start to feel, you know, start winning a little bit more and, and start feeling more comfortable in their own skin on the mat, it, it, it comes. But stick it out. It'll, yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm afraid of two things. One, hurting somebody. And two, hurting myself. Mm-hmm. If it starts affecting my golf game, Milton, there's going to be trouble. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it definitely will affect your golf game. Uh, uh, you know, there lots of things are going to hurt. I'm not sure. How long well, did you say you're training 10, now for 10, 12 lessons? Yeah. Four months, yeah. a little under a year. Um, I, something's always hurting. Uh, it's funny enough. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually being serious, but uh, when I say that, you know, yeah. you, it will affect your golf game. Something's always hurting, you know, especially at our age, uh, we don't back, back. We don't bounce back as quickly. Uh, recovery. Uh, I have every recovery device under the sun, especially for my back. Things for my back. Um, I stretched and used my recovery devices for about an hour and a half yesterday because my back was bothering me, and I was off the mat for about a week. 
I spent about an hour and a half stretching and using those devices. Now that's just good, um, good, a uh, good practice because it's going to help me with my jujitsu ju- even when I'm not injured. But I, you know, again, my bite was my back was really tight and uh, and I used all those recovery devices. But that's definitely something that as white belts, maybe because you're a little bit older, you'll be in that circle of guys who will talk about it. But in the beginning, nobody's telling you that like stretch after practice on the mat before you leave, before you grab your bag, stretch a little bit, just a little. Some of the same things you do to warm up, do some of those same stretches, light stretching. Um, I have massage guns. I have something called the sew right. I have the chirp wheel. Uh, I've got uh, foam rollers. I use all that stuff. And I'll take a, if I train, I take a cold shower after training. It's my version of doing like a nice, it's not the same, but, you know, doing a nice bath, right? People do ice bath for a reason. It helps with, uh, with inflammation. So I take a cold shower. Uh, it's usually a cold shower and then I'll come stretch if I can get home right away. A little stretching at the gym, come home, cold shower, and then I, I, just sit in front of the couch, throw on the TV with the wife and I'm using whatever device is going to, I feel is going to work the best, but that's going to help with longevity. If eventually you're going to be um, hurt, you know, something's going to hurt enough that you're going to have to pay attention to it. Well, what if you paid attention to all those things that aren't hurting now and got ahead of the game? So again, stretching, yoga, recovery devices, all those things help. How do you know when you found a good academy and a good instructor? Yeah, um, that's uh, uh, it's been a subject that I've talked about a lot on, uh, you know, I have a podcast called the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies. Um, We've talked about it a lot. There were um, a lot of issues over the past couple of years in the world of Jiu-Jitsu with um, uh, young girls being assaulted or groomed by coaches, um, statutory rape charges, things like that. I won't get into the academies, but uh, it's spread through parts of South Florida, not at my academy, what it just at, at different academies in, in South Florida and in other parts of the country. Um, one of the big signs for a good academy, not just as a guy, but as somebody who might want to bring his wife, his girlfriend, his daughter, his mm. son, his, his kids is a good female presence. When you see a gym that has a good female presence it's, it's almost like an extra set of eyes. A parent should feel more comfortable bringing their, their son or daughter to an academy that has female coaches. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be myself in a place where uh, it's a husband and wife team, uh, black belts, third degree black belts. And they, um, you know, again, you know, sometimes uh, in the last couple of years post COVID, we actually, the girls started to split off our gym. We have a relatively large gym where they could split mm-hmm. off into a separate room. Uh, a lot of times that we'll train together, but sometimes the girls will train separately. Um, and that stemmed, I believe um, they didn't talk about it and, and say, this is why we're doing it. But that happened during a time where there were a lot of allegations about, um, you know, what I said previously about coaches grooming young girls. Um, what makes a good Academy is feeling comfortable, a coach that walks around and makes sure that the 300 pound guy isn't rolling with the 140 pound guy. The coach that says, hey, listen, let's match up. My coach just says it like this. He's like, okay, guys, time to roll. Grab somebody that makes sense. And I like that, right? Um, but, you know, you always have, regardless of saying what I said before, you know, you shouldn't be trying to win practice. Regardless of that, 
everybody feels happier in the car ride home when they've when they've won. And what you'll find is like the bigger guys, they find the lower belts or the smaller guys. Again, I, I don't really do that. Uh, I usually just sit on the mat and I wait for somebody to come to me. Uh, again, at nine years in, at 230 plus pounds, uh, it's sometimes I feel it's unfair for me to grab somebody that's just going to feel like at least going in that I'm just going to kind of lay on top of them. I'm a guard puller because of that. So I'll pull people on top of me, especially when they're smaller. Boom, you know, pull them down, take them down, pull them into my guard and then let them work uh, so that I'm not, again, 230 pounds on top of them. Uh, seeing things like that in your gym should tell you that you're in a good place. But again, good female presence, a coach that doesn't let, you know, kind of uh, uneven matchups when you're training, even when you're, you know, you're just drilling, you know, you sh- it shouldn't be, you know, again, uh, let's say you're yeah. uh, 53, you said, 220 pounds. You know, you shouldn't be rolling with with a white belt, another white belt that's 140 pounds, right? You should probably be working with somebody that's a little bit more experienced mm-hmm. in your weight range who the coach knows is right. going to help you, not just smash you because you're a white belt. At the end of the day, it's a business for, for the coach, right? The coach understands that he wants you to come back. Like if, I, if I'm your coach and I heard you say, I haven't fell in love with it yet, I'd be all over you. I, I'd, I'd be giving you so much attention in that room, making sure like, what aren't you loving? How come you don't love it yet? And how can I help you? Uh, but again, you know, some of those things are, are, are I've only been to two gyms in, in my career. Uh, I've been very lucky. I found a gym very close to my, my home after uh, the first gym that I started in close after two years. I was very lucky to find a gym close to my home with a good staff, like I laid out, you know, husband, wife, team, female coaches, um, huge kids presence, a place for parents to watch practice. We have like stadium seating, like uh, right. uh, bleachers, bleacher seating. Uh, parents can stay. There are some jujitsu gyms that say, stay on the other side of the door. Or There's a wall or you can't see those to me are sometimes are the red flags. So my instructor, back in new haven i'm fortunate i get i i'm i spend the winters in tampa and uh i'm here now but you know he would he told me a couple of like events that they've gone to like fighting competitions where like there's these coaches that are horrible milton that are just you know they're not there to learn and it's like you know you've got to be he's like you got to be really careful when you you chose a great academy but you 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 know and he's it put like fear in me so now that i'm I'm away here for the winter i want to try to find a place but you really got to feel comfortable there here you know i'll be here for about six months and i'll be back up there for six and it's um it's real challenging it's 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 such a wonderful sport. I mean, I've only heard the golfers that I know that do jujitsu, they say it's lowered their handicap. You know, it's it, it only helps. I mean, okay. sure you get sore, but it, it, it the discipline that's involved. So, you know, as a nine-year veteran yourself, it would seem like I would be the perfect person to roll with you. Now, when that happens, because we're similar weight, but you're much more experienced, do you get to learn when that happens when we roll? Because isn't it more about me? I learn more. I learn more when I'm rolling with somebody that has less experience if I'm working on my game and or Mm. coaching you a little bit. Um, I talk about this on the podcast a lot. Um, My my favorite thing about jujitsu, I love jujitsu. And one of my favorite things is the opportunities I get to work Mm. with somebody and coach them. I'm not a coach in my gym. But I might work with somebody or my coach might say, hey, he's new. Grab him. Like he'll, he may, he's he got his little jokes. He'll say, don't break him. 
I'll grab somebody that's brand new and I'll start working. I call it Jiu-Jitsu 101, start in my guard, show them how to pass, show them how to mount. Uh, and then, you know, the first submission. Uh, so the funny thing is in those moments when I'm helping somebody, um, I'm remembering some of the technical things that I need to do that I might not be doing because I don't always work on that move. I'm probably past getting caught in somebody's guard. So when I've got to show you how to do something or get out of something, I'm remembering myself. Now I'm going through a move that I might not have really worked on in months, maybe years, and I'm showing it to you. So now I'm remembering. I said, I talk about this, this part a lot on the podcast that I feel like at white and blue, when I helped my, at my first gym and I actually coached, that was one of his first students. So at white belt, I was coaching other white belts. I was actually opening the gym. I was a grown man. So he trusted me to open the gym. I'd run kids classes. I felt more technical, you know, I was better in my technique, more technical at white and blue than I am now at brown because I was constantly working on those little things. Even when we learned advanced moves and having to teach it to the class, I was better in my own jujitsu because I don't coach. It's easy to forget certain things and I'm not running a a basics class or coaching in a basic class with my coach. I go now and it's just for me. Again, I take the opportunity to grab somebody and say, hey, let's work on this. So let me show if I get somebody in a move all of the time, even in that role, if I catch them in something a couple of times, I will grab them right at the end of the role and say, hey, do you I always ask, do you mind if I show you something? Because not everybody likes to get coached by people other than the than the professor, the, you know, the black belt. But I'll say, can I show you something? And I will show them how to get out of or to avoid the thing that I was just getting them in. It's only going to help me get better. And again, I do love that part of jujitsu of teaching somebody. And I think my game gets better when I am teaching somebody again, because now I'm remembering, oh, I don't put my foot there. I'm telling him to put his foot. I'm like, wow, I I don't even put my foot there. I got to remember to do that. So, you know, that's that's how it works for me. The most wonderful kind of selfless thing about jujitsu. You could just tell that people, you know, I'll be with somebody and I think the position was like a safety belt was behind them. And you could tell that. You know, they're not trying to resist so much. They're trying to give me a little confidence, you know, so they can. Yeah. And it's so it's so giving. Now, when your coach yeah. said, don't break them, what, what does that mean? How, how would you break them? Well, he, uh, what he means is don't go hard. Um, like that's that's the like, hey, don't, you know, grab him. Don't break him. Um, he'll say that on maybe like one of the younger kids that's coming out of the kids class into the adults class. Maybe they're a little bit bigger. Um, he'll definitely say it. His son roll is anybody's rolling with son. He's like, don't break them. Uh, but usually it's a, it's a, it's a, a note to the person he's talking to. Hey, this person's relatively new. Don't go hard. Or maybe somebody's hurt. He knows that somebody's got an injury. Hey, Mill, roll with him. Don't break him. He's got an injury. His neck hurts, something like that. But that's all he means. Don't go hard. Now I can, I can roll hard. I can use my weight to my advantage, my weight, my strength. Um, I usually not. I'm usually uh, I had a guest say it to me one time and and it was true for me as well. Um, He said I rolled at one level above the person I'm rolling with. Mm. So he's a purple belt. If he's rolling with a white belt, he's going to roll like he's, you know, white to an experienced white to blue belt. If that guy raises, you know, is starting to roll like a purple belt, he's going to, you know, he's going to raise himself to his purple belt status and roll a little bit hard. So I always want to roll just a little bit above him. And what that means is I'm not going to let this guy just, you know, put me in position to submit me. I'm going to make him work for stuff. 
but I'm always going to just work a little bit harder for him so that he doesn't necessarily submit me or, or get too much of an, an advantage. Um, that act, that advice actually came from George Pirro. He's a, a retired uh, special agent, uh, FBI special agent. He's the guy that actually interrogated Saddam Hussein. He's mm-hmm. one of our recent episodes. Uh, great guy. We're actually, my, my marketing company is actually sponsoring him now. So we're doing some work to help him out. But he was the one that, that laid it out to me that way. And it was great advice. And it was something that I kind of didn't realize I was already doing. But I think that's the best advice when you start to get experiences. You know, there are going to be white belts that are going to walk in the door that you're going to roll with that right. aren't going to know as much as you. Again, don't break them. Just roll, just give them a little bit more, make them work. You also want them as a student, you want your, your academy and your coach to do well. So you don't want to break people and give them this miserable experience and, you know, put, put your knee on their face or their neck and they walk out of there going, this sucks. I don't, this isn't what I want to do. I thought I was going to learn how to defend myself. I thought I was going to learn some cool stuff I saw in the UFC and now they don't want to come back. Right. So even it sounded like you were having a dilemma there of finding a local gym um, imagine you walked into a gym and then, every, you know, everybody from blue to, to black was just beating up on you. Right. You're probably not going to go back. You know, a young kid might go, that was awesome. I want to learn how to do that to somebody else. Right. At, at, at 40, 50 plus, we're not looking for that. We're looking at, we're looking for the camaraderie, the brotherhood or sisterhood, and we're looking for the training. And uh, you're really, you want to be able to get onto the golf course the next morning and not be hurt, not say, oh, man, this guy grabbed my foot and, you know, tweet, right? We don't want that. So uh, it's kind of like a do on to others kind of situation. But you finding a place that's going to treat you right and go, okay, you're a white belt. Like, you know, let's have you roll with other white belts or roll with this advanced guy who we know is not going. He's going to teach you a little bit of, of how we do things here. That's the place you should do be Do you compete, for. Milton? Do you compete? I have. I, I have not, I did, I competed once after my heart attack. I was at purple belt. Uh, I had always made a commitment to at least compete uh, at very least once at every belt. Um, I didn't go into jujitsu thinking I was going to compete, but at white belt, I talked to my coach about competing. I think I competed in three different tournaments at white. Uh, I competed twice at blue, two different tournaments at blue. Uh, and then I had the heart attack and went back once at purple, but my cardio, it, it was, it was just different. My heart, the uh, the way that my heart would beat, like kind of accelerate so quickly, um, it took me some time to kind of get that under control. Weight loss being one of those things, uh, but uh, I'm not competing currently. But I've just done it, and I've done well, and I've done a handful of tournaments. Um, you did mention something before about uh, a coach mentioning something about competing or right. the way that school competes. Um, you shouldn't be forced to compete. I don't know if you are being forced. You shouldn't be forced to compete. You don't have to compete. But again, every school is a little bit different. You might have to compete to get a promotion, to get stripes and or promotion. That's a little bit more of, again, the old school way. Um, again, if you don't want to compete, don't feel bad about it. I talk Again, I talk about it all the time. There are more of us than there are of them. When I say us, I say there are more people that don't compete than that compete. Um, I've got my reasons for, you know, Married, business, kids, daughter in college, you know, essentially really running two businesses, the podcast, the heart attack was just my like, okay, I need to find a little bit of a different path. Uh, but I, I was training three weeks after the heart attack. So I got right back in there right away. As soon as they told me I could, I was just like right on the mat. Uh, so um, 
don't feel like you have to. I think everyone should compete a, a little bit. And you got to get a taste for it. You got to get a, a taste for getting out there, winning, losing, um, the whole like you don't you don't lose, you learn, right? I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, everybody should get a little taste of that. And, um, you know, it's not easy, could be stressful, but I think that everybody should do it at least a, a handful of times to to really understand what it's like. Because as you progress in jujitsu, you're going to, you know, be around a lot of people that are going to ask if they should compete or are competing. And it's good to have a little bit of knowledge and and know those, uh, you know, the anxiety that they're going to go to and the nervousness that they're talking about, the making weight. It's kind of good to be be able to be part of that little that little niche of the brotherhood or, or again sisterhood. Yeah, because nothing about the actual competition attracts me. I mean, I'm not even an MMA fan because when I watch it, it's yeah. mixed martial arts. I'm only really interested in jujitsu. I yeah. mean, I follow a few, you know, Instagram story, you know, yeah. TikTok, and I watch the videos, and it's very clever how they get out, and I'm very intrigued by that. But the MMA just doesn't do anything. I'm not saying it's going to change. I'm. It may change, but just the actual competition doesn't is not what's attracting me. What's attracting me to it is how uncomfortable it makes me and, and the, the whole discipline of it. Was it the heart attack that, it, that, yeah. um, that made you go to it? Where, where was you, where were you in the jiu-jitsu life? You were doing it before the heart attack. Yeah, I, I was already, that's right. I was already a purple belt when I had the heart attack. Um, my school doesn't really, he had stopped doing stripes for adults. So I was, I think, a purple belt with one stripe, but was probably stripe. maybe What's a two a or three stripe. stripe. I'm sorry? Stripe is like a degree, right? You usually, uh, right at white belt, if your school does stripes, you're getting a, a stripe on the black part of your belt, right? You're getting a stripe or a degree for the length of time that you've been training or your level, right? Um, if you're doing really well, you're competing and you're winning, you might get some stripes faster. Um Depending on the school, some schools will make you be a white belt for two years. Some do it for a year. So you figure, you know, uh, every three or four months you're getting a stripe. Uh, if you go once a week and a guy is going four times a week, you're probably going to expect that mm. he's going to move a little faster and get more stripes faster, right? Uh, so I was probably a uh, – I know I was a, a one a first-degree purple belt, uh, but I was probably because my school had stopped doing the, the stripes, I was probably a little bit higher um, uh, had the heart attack, thought I, I felt better, excuse me. Uh, I think it was probably another six months or a year. And I said, I think I could do this. It was a local tournament. I did it. Um, I wound up because it was a smaller tournament. There weren't a lot of people, my age and my size. Uh, I rolled with, I had always rolled in that tournament, even when I won with guys, half my age and half and not half my size, half my age and usually a little bit smaller than me. Uh, but, you know, strong young men. And uh, I always, I won. I, you know, did well. Uh, the last time I went, I went with guys that were half my age and mm. I did not do well. <laughs> my gas tank wasn't there. Uh, I was nervous. I had uh, I, I tended to pull guard a little bit more because I didn't want the whole stand up fight to tire me out. So I'm pulling guard. So I'm pulling these young guys on top of me to then, you know, uh, implement my game. And it, it just wasn't working. So I decided to just take a break from it until I really, I, I feel like you really need to, dedicate, if you're going to do comp, if you're going to compete, you really need to put some time and effort into it. You've got to, you know, be training. You've got to do competition training, which is harder. And you're also training for points. You have to learn how to 
you know, if I'm in a takedown, uh, side control, mount, back, you know, there's what other point you're, you're basically point fighting. You're not necessarily looking for the submission It's great if it comes, but you're looking to, you know, get a lot of points, get ahead and then start looking for the submission. So you've got to be doing all those things to really train training competition. When I was a white belt and I told my coach that I wanted to train or I wanted to, to do a competition, he says, okay, well, tomorrow training is going to be completely different. And we went into really? more back to the basics and we had to learn about the points because we would, he would teach us some pretty advanced stuff, even for white belts. And uh, it was kind of like a hodgepodge of different moves. And then we'd roll and we had fun. And it was like, if you, if you're going to, to, uh, to do a competition, you've got to know, you know, again, takedowns, side control, mount, back, you know, right? Those are like, you know, the four or five positions that you want to get into to get your points. And then you proceed. We hadn't trained like that before. I knew those moves, but I didn't know how to tie those together in a competition setting. And, and our training was always different after that. Unfortunately, his school closed and I moved to, to my new school. Uh, it was less of a competition school, heavy kids program, a lot of females, um, a, you know, smaller adults program at that time. Now we have a very large adults program as well like all the parents come and train. They get the parents on the mat. You've got a kid in the class. They're going to get the parent on the mats. So we have a, a you know, we have like family uh, open mats, you know, family days where we do open mats. It's great. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's a different training and uh, you shouldn't feel bad or any less of a jujitsu competitor or, ju- or ju- uh, you know, jujitsu practitioner because you're not doing competitions. You should not feel that your, your journey should not be diminished by it in any way. Um, certain coaches will push you to get on the mat and, and certain coaches will just say, if you want to let me know and we'll, you know, we'll modify your training a bit, but uh, it should never put you in a place where you think you are any less than anyone else on the mat because you're not competing. Is jujitsu for everyone? Uh, I think it is. I think it is. Um, I think there's a, a little, um, we say it, uh, I believe it, but I don't ever hear anybody mm. say, but, you know, like the things I said before, but be careful, take care of your body, recovery, massages, ice baths, you know, uh, stretching, yoga. Nobody was, I, I discovered all those things on my own. And then really, as I got into following jujitsu pages online, I would see it there. I never really honestly heard it from my coaches. Nobody was telling me like, hey, okay, guys, let's sit down and everybody stretch for 10, 15 minutes. I, I never got it from from uh, hmm. inside of the academy. Um, it's for everybody, but you have to know that you really, if you're choosing this path, that you have to take care of your body. Your body is the weapon, is the instrument. You must take care of it. And that means, again, stretching and, and, you know, supplementing with, you know, running, walking, weightlifting, weight, I find weightlifting as a great recovery. I trained last night. I'll do a little bit of, I'll do some cardio and some lightweight training, but that lightweight training helps me with, I call them my owies, you know, my, my lower back hurts. I'm going to do certain things. I'm going to make sure I stretch and I'm going to do, you know, do some back exercises and just do things that I know that are going to make those muscles work. And I'm going to feel great when I go train tomorrow. So uh, that, that's one of the things I do too. I do put, I try to put a day between trainings. Um, I didn't last weekend. I trained Saturday and Sunday, uh, three and a half hours between the two classes, two hours on Sunday, hour and a half on Saturday. And Monday morning I woke up and I was, oh man, what did I do? Mm. My back was killing me. Uh, so I, I know that I, 
put a day of, of something else or a rest day between my trainings at this age. When I started uh, at, right before my 41st birthday, six days a week, two hours a day, open mat on Saturday where we would train with another school. We'd either go to them or they'd come to us. And my body could take it and I, and I loved it. And I didn't stretch and I didn't do my recovery exercises. Uh, and I learned, uh, you know, after the first couple of injuries, I learned what I had to do. Talk to me about the gi, the uniform to, to go no gi or gi when training, you can, because we can take two different options in your classes. Yeah. Uh, I would say for guys our age, uh, the gi is probably mm -hmm. where you should be. At very least, you know, most gyms have both classes, right? They offer both. Um, if you're older, you probably want to stick with the gi. Not that you shouldn't try no gi or shouldn't train no gi as well. But what you'll find is because of the control aspects of being able to grab the gi, right? Essentially grab the clothing uh, of your opponent. Um, that lets you either, you know, kind of slow down the pace or just have a little bit more control. With, with no gi, you're more slippery. We can't grab the rash guard or the shorts or the t-shirt, right? It's against the rules. You're not doing that. Somebody's going to move typically a little bit faster. And, uh, you know, that's kind of typically where people get hurt when they try to when they're really strong and they try to move very, very quickly. Uh, you just find, not that you don't get injured in the gi, but I think that you tend to find more people get injured in the nogi. I train nogi. My school honestly only does nogi once a week. It's our open mat on Saturdays. So I, I usually go to that one because I want to get my nogi in. But again, uh, as an older guy, I prefer the gi, especially when I'm hurt, I can control the position more because I can grab, you know, from pretty much from the neck, you know, the, the collar of the neck down to the, to the, you know, by the ankle, the, the, the pant by the ankle. So I can really control and for somebody with, you know, the heart attack issue, which my heart still, I can feel it, that it, it'll it start beating uh, faster, quicker than I ever remembered before. It just, uh, I tend to go from zero to a hundred real quick. Um, I like the ability to hold somebody when I am, when I need to catch a breath or slow down my breathing. My first coach gave me a little trick uh, when I really, really uh, am, we're moving a lot and I'm, I'm breathing heavy and I'm out of breath to do some Lamaze breathing to actually go. Absolutely. I can hold somebody, do a little Lamaze breathing. They almost always go, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I can slow down my heart rate and my breathing by just doing that a couple of times. I do, especially after a roll, I do that. So he gave me that little trick and it's been super helpful. He gave that to me just as a big guy. I was, you know, he was 265. I was at the time, like in the two twenties. This is my, it was his big guy trick. Um, he knew his cardio wasn't always going to be great. He would do that. So I did get that little trick, but again, uh, holding the gi and being able to control the pace a little bit, especially as you, you know, you continue to hopefully stick with it and, 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 you know, advance, um, that that's a little, you'll learn, Oh, wow. I can a little tired here. Mm. Let me hold this guy down a little bit. You just don't have those same control points. And with no my instructor kind of talks about uh, talks about people will, will be listening and say, well, a gi really doesn't, you know, uh, 
you know, symbolize what it would be like if you got in, you were in public and something happened, you had to defend yourself. And, you know, everybody wears a jacket yeah. sometimes and, you know, you could, you could simulate that. Uh, but I could see the importance for both. So on the podcast, talk a lot about discipline, Milton. I lost a lot of weight. I had a, you know, mm. uh, the doctor said, you know, if you don't lose this weight, you're going to not see your daughter graduate. I was building a business. So, you know, I lost a bunch of weight and, um, people ask me how I did it and like, they want some secret. And I always say discipline. I just focus. I got discipline. I wonder how yeah. discipline plays a role with you specifically with, uh, with jujitsu. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's hard after a long, I, you know, again, I own a, I own my own business. Um, I, I run a, a company called black belt digital marketing. And yeah. then I also do the podcast one day a week. Uh, so, uh, just in that, I need to be disciplined to to get those things done and to put out a podcast every week. We have sponsors that you know expect to see an episode or at least uh, three to four episodes per month. Uh, so in my jujitsu, discipline's played into it. What I've just said before, uh, I didn't always do these things that that helped me stay on the mat. Uh, putting one day between training is something I used to do, but I wasn't going to work out or going to the gym. And I've learned that that's going to help me. So I've uh, you know, try to discipline myself in making sure that if I train one day, the next day is going to be stretching my own. I have mats in the garage. I'm lucky that my wife let me put mats in the garage. So I have a little setup for myself where I can go out, hit the bag and or, you know, I've got the grappling dummy. I can do a little practice, but mostly it's about going out there and stretching uh, and, uh, and, you know, doing a little bit of, of training on my own. Sometimes I do like solo drills, little things that are jujitsu movements, but you have to be disciplined in doing that. Um, Jiu-jitsu is such a huge part of my life. I, you know, I yeah. named my company Black Belt, you know, Black Belt Digital Marketing because of my the tie to jiu-jitsu. The, you know, part of the logo, that's the Black Belt, you know, jiu-jitsu with the red tip. Uh, it's, it's again, such a huge part of my life. I do the podcast. Um, so um, I, my wife says I half the time that I look like jiu-jitsu threw up on me. I've got the tattoo. I'm always wearing a jujitsu t-shirt. Um, I just love it. I, you know, I've, I've got to wear the, the, you know, the, the podcast gear and, and stuff like that. Uh, so in order for me to be able to talk about it, I've got to do it. So I have to be disciplined and getting to the gym. But again, I'm just as disciplined in the recovery now. Um, again, yesterday I stretched and, uh, and, uh, and used my, you know, a massage gun and different stuff for an hour and a half. Wow. I knew that's what it was going to take. And then I went and got in a hot shower and then threw on my gi and went to the gym. Uh, so uh, it's very difficult. It's very easy for that little guy on your right. shoulder. Left. Which one's the devil, right? You got the yeah. devil and the angel. The devil be like, just stay right here. That sure. Let's He's finish that movie on Netflix. And then, you know, you've got the other voice telling you, get to the gym, man. I know anytime that I've had to drag my ass to the gym, when I get there, and I get through the training, it's almost more satisfying than when I'm like all amped up to go. Sometimes the training session is even better. When I didn't want to go, I get through it and I come out the other side going, I learned something new. I got, maybe I, so I guess we say sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Maybe I was the nail that day, but I wind up coming out of learning something and going, you know, that wasn't so bad. It was an hour, hour and a half and I get through it. So Back to the initial question, discipline. You've got to be disciplined to get there. You have to be disciplined in your recovery. Uh, and then again, because it ties into the podcast and the business, 
I've got to do it. If I want to talk intelligently like this to somebody on the podcast, I've got to be disciplined in my own training to then be able to talk to them intelligently hmm. and not look like a complete idiot, like nothing against white belts. Like if it was my first day and I was a white belt. Grew up you know? on Long Island, Medford, I believe, where everybody, you know, my my cousins are all on the island and sold in. And, uh, you know, everybody, one's a cop, one's a fire. Everybody comes, yeah. you know, just like, you, you know, you would thought that's what you were going to do. <laughs> Uh, it looked like it wasn't the, the career path for you. You got into sales, you got into marketing, brought you down to Florida. I wonder if, you know, did you consider yourself disciplined even back then when you decided not to go into that career path? No. No, no, I was absolutely, uh, I, I tell everybody I found jujitsu when I was supposed to find jujitsu. If I would have found jujitsu when I was a young kid, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stuck with it. Uh, I was a pretty good athlete growing up, but I quit everything. Um, I should have probably stayed with soccer, but I quit soccer to play football mm. because I thought it was cool. I wrestled a little bit. Uh, I wasn't starting, so I quit. I played baseball. I wasn't that good, so I quit. Um, I just didn't have the discipline at that age to stick with anything. Uh, as I got older, uh, I started you know, hitting the bag, ha always had a punching bag in the house. My dad was a huge boxing fan, so that was always a, a big part of uh, my relationship with my dad watching boxing as a kid and as an adult. Um, and I found it when I was supposed to find it at 41. If I would have done it any earlier, I probably would have quit. And I thank God, whoever the God, the universe, whatever you believe in, that it, it brought me to jujitsu when it did. Because if it would have brought me any earlier, I was, you know, till I was, I was single till I was really, I uh, got married three years ago. But, you know, I met my wife like 10 years ago. I was still in the clubs when I was 36 years old. You know, so I was just out there having fun, living the Florida single life. And, um, you know, again, I you can't go out on a Friday night out till three or four in the morning and get up for, you know, what normally on the weekend is going to be a 9 a.m. open mat. Can't do it. I just wouldn't have done it. Uh, so I found it when I was supposed to find it. And, uh, you know, again, you definitely wasn't disciplined when I was younger. I wasn't disciplined to become a cop like I thought I wanted to do and follow following my father's footsteps. Again, I thank God. I couldn't imagine becoming a cop, not having the mm. discipline and then quitting, getting fired. Uh, you know, but that happens on Long Island, right? Where back when I was a kid, uh, I came on right when uh, Giuliani became mayor and he he it was uh, you had to have two years of college. I was a year and a half in, but I quit. I dropped out and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So again, I couldn't imagine being a cop. I wasn't disciplined. I couldn't imagine doing jujitsu. I wasn't disciplined. Owning a business, mm -hmm. I wasn't disciplined. I did. It took me a little bit, maybe more than most, or I had to get a little bit older than most, but I didn't really find myself and find my passions until I was really close to 40. My passion being marketing mm -hmm. and my passion being jujitsu. And your approach to jujitsu now at this current age, given what you've gone through, your discipline, is it more of a a scientific or art is, is for you is jujitsu science or art? Um, for me and the way my mind works, I'd probably say that hmm. it's more of an art. Uh, but I don't know if you've encountered like there. The craziest thing is when you find out what some of your training partners do for a living. Um, I've yeah. rolled with scientists. Um, there's a girl that comes into our gym. She's a, a PhD. Um, we have one guy that left to California and I think he went to work for NASA, um, accountants, real estate agents, business owners, waiters, waitresses. Um, it, it's crazy 
you know, who you, who you wind up encountering or, or rolling with. Um, it, it's just, it's an, it's an amazing place. I, I'm sorry. I forgot the initial question, but is your you know, I kind of went off on a tangent. Art or science. But, yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I was going to say, so in my, in my mind, it's, it's the art, but when I mentioned some of those other people, they look at it completely differently. Some of those minds, like the scientists, the PhD, they look at it like they'll, certain people do this. And again, I'm not sure if you've encountered anybody, they'll take notes either while they're training or right when they're done training. So they'll kind of take notes on what they train that day, maybe to go back and train it on their own. Like there are people that handle it like that. And then there are people that like me that just go and go, you know, like, uh, uh, I, I kind of li like to practice a lot of the same moves and get really good at them, like the, my go-tos. Uh, but everybody handles it different. I definitely look at it like an art, but every the beauty of it is that somebody could look at it as a science and and still you guys wind up getting to the same place. So uh, I really just think it's the person, not necessarily the the art or the, you know, the, the martial art itself. Milton Campus, what motivates you? Uh, I, this may not, it, it may be a little bit of a bad answer is like, mm -hmm. I like to prove people wrong. Um, I think uh, sometimes even our families, our own family members could look at you and go, what are you doing? You know, when I started jujitsu, my father looked at me and he said, uh, a little late to start this, huh, kid? Still calls me kid. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I'm like, you know, I found something that I love. So, uh, Proving people wrong is, is, is fun. Um, and then, you know, it's, uh, I, I do like helping people, you know, with, uh, with the marketing company. Uh, like I said before, like I love helping, like helping people like coach them a little bit with the marketing company. I love coaching somebody mm. in, in, with their business. Uh, somebody will come to me with an, I call it a, an idea on a napkin. They don't have a logo. They have an idea. And taking that idea, turning it into a logo, putting it on a business card, building a website, and then helping them get found, I get off on that. I, I love that that path. And, you know, it's similar to jujitsu. You go in there, you don't know this move, and you learn it, you practice it, and you make it better. And, again, maybe you're teaching somebody else how to do it. And you get to a place where it's like, wow, here it is. Fly, little birdie, you know. Here, now you can go and, and do what, what you need to do. So, you know. Uh, that, that's how that's how I look at it. That's how Bill, I that's a, that that's question. a true Long Island answer. I love it, and I I could hear it. You know, I could <laughs> still hear the Long Island in your voice when I was doing research and today. And you know, you could take the you know people out of the country, but you can't take the country out of them. You know, uh, and plus, there's a lot of New Yorkers in, in Florida. Yeah. But another thing I want to mention: what motivates you? You have this oh, great yeah. foundation. Uh, I, I, we closed the foundation. I actually, we closed it. It, it might be in my bio somewhere still. Uh, we did close the foundation. Um, we do, uh, we were doing um, uh, scholarships for like, for, we, we did two scholarships for two kids. Uh, I don't know if you remember the little boy that uh, saved his sister. Uh, he got bit in the face saving his sister from a dog. His name was Bridger Walker. He was our first. Uh, we did a second one after that. But we were working with some other foundations and we were also trying to do stuff for like military veterans, like people that have been injured. We were working with some other larger foundations uh, and it kind of conflicted with what they were doing. We wanted to support them. Uh, organizations like We Defy and War Warriors Next Adventure. We figured we were probably better suited in helping them, these established foundations and doing ourselves. So we closed it down. Uh, we have still discussed doing 
some uh, scholarships for kids. Uh, so we do occasionally, you know, we talk about it here and there, but uh, the foundation itself was closed, but it was, I think we had it for about two years and uh, I think we did some good and, and helped Very some cool. people out. Uh, well, how do you measure success, Milton? Wow. Um, you know, some people might say the bank account, but that's definitely not. Uh, my, I, I recently had my daughter join the company. Uh, she's 29. She's leaving her teaching career to come work for me. Um, how I would gauge success now is um, really creating something that I could leave behind to her. You know, my intention, and I've made it clear to her, is if you like this, if you like what you're doing, I would love to build this and leave it to you. That would be a great measure of success for me. Um, I'm not in it for the money. I, I've had a lot of money and I've had no money. Uh, you know, I've worked for some great companies and worked for myself and, and, and helped build some, some really good um, products and businesses. But, you know, I, I was never, I was, I still had, you know, the same problems that everybody else had when I had a lot of money. Um, that whole like money can't buy happiness. Money may not be able to buy you happiness, but it can, you know, it can buy you things that you make that make you feel happy. But I, I was happier when I had no money, when I was, you know, the bank accounts, I had to work harder. But um, I definitely feel like building this business, Black Belt Digital Marketing, into something that I could leave behind is is my new goal. If I could build this to a place where, you know, maybe I can draw a retirement income from or I can continue to do sales, but my daughter runs it. That would be uh, truly, uh, I think, an accomplishment for myself. I don't not worried about what other people think, but if I could build this business and leave it behind and it and it lasts beyond my time here on this planet, uh, I think that that now, it's what a, win. a wonderful answer! Le leaving a legacy for your daughter—that's that's um, heartwarming, mm -hmm. Milton. So, how can we get in touch? With you thanks so much for your time, and I just I love talking jujitsu. I'm just yes, so know. new to it. I hope that whoever's <laughs> listening can feel the passion that you have for it and look into it, you know, at least look yeah. into it, please. Um, you have this great podcast. You just do uh, dummies podcast. You have, how can we get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, so I probably the best way is through the Instagram for the podcast. It's at jujitsu dummies on Instagram, pretty much everywhere at jujitsu dummies, J I U. Yeah. Everybody always spells it wrong. J I U jitsu dummies with the I E S the dummies is I S. Uh, that's probably the best way that people can get in touch with me. My personal Instagram is uncle Milty BJJ. Everybody's always called me uncle Milty since really? I was about in the third grade. So, uh, so made sense to, uh, even my friends still call me uncle Milty today. It made sense to, to, to make that my Instagram handle. So that's my personal. Uh, and then, you, you know, you could check out the podcast. If you just go to, um, to YouTube, it's jujitsu dummies. You'll find us and, uh, jujitsu dummies podcast. Cause you might find some videos of people rolling with their, with their grappling dummies, but you'll, you'll find us. We're out there and, um, certainly love to hear from people. Uh, we give away stuff for like if somebody sends questions. So check out our stuff. If you have questions about jujitsu, send it to us. If we use it on the show, if we if it's a topic on the show, we ask the guest. We'll send you a free T-shirt and a coffee mug. So check us out. And you know, again, we love. Uh, yeah, we love and you've got a great YouTube away. too because you record everything video. You you uh, and so the YouTube is really cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We from the beginning we did. Uh, you know, we have the sound on on 
on all the podcast apps. And we did, uh, we did, I actually got that advice from somebody else that was doing a podcast. I said, what would you do differently if you had to start over? He was only doing the sound and he said, I I would have done the video from the beginning. Uh, so we always did both right from the beginning. And and I think that was part of our success and our appeal early on. People kind of want to see you. Who's the heck is this guy behind the, you know, the mic. And then again, giving, we were giving stuff away before we even started the podcast. I was giving away, logoed t-shirts and mugs my wife is saying what are you doing you haven't even recorded yet i said it's the trailer to the movie i'm um it's the build-up we gotta get people excited so we were giving stuff away from the beginning we even got had sponsors that were giving stuff away before we recorded and it led to a a huge amount of success you know what do people love more than free you know (laughs) right so uh so it worked out for us campus thank you so much for your time i hope one day we get to you know roll together a little bit that that would be great yeah you're down here you're down here in tampa you said for for six months months out of the year i'm a little further down if you ever come down to south florida come to an open mat it's Uh, nice we we won't break you i really do appreciate that milton thank you so much for your time you be well Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations.